so how are you feeling? Are you feeling a little bit better? I feel better. Okay. We get, we're recording on a Saturday. So we're all, we all have a little bit more energy and a little bit less stress <laughs> in our life. But Naya had strep throat. I did. And she's on the mend. Um, last time we recorded, John made an announcement that he was going to propose to his girlfriend. And uh, I'll let you pick it up from here. How did that go and what I, happened? I mic dropped the fuck out of it. Uh, <laughs> did like a romantic little stop in Solvang and took her wine tasting and Anytime she'd go to the restroom, I'd tell anyone that was around what was going down, and everybody was in on the secret but her. So it was really cool. And then uh, orchestrated like a ring handoff to the uh, hotel manager, who then took it to the restaurant for me, and then they dropped it out at uh, dessert, and it was killer. I saw you posted a video. Yeah, yeah, they filmed it too for me. You looked. I gotta watch that. I you looked pretty a, handsome, you looked huh? a, No, you, I was going to go there next, but you looked a little nervous. Well, it was, uh, I wasn't nervous. Like, I mean, I, was, I knew it was going to happen. I knew yeah. when and, and I knew what I, what I was going to say. But yeah. um, they took forever for this dessert. <sighs> oh, okay. And it was a little bit of a tell for her because I'm not a dessert guy. And I'm like, we're getting dessert. She's like, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, we're getting so dessert. So she was completely surprised? So surprised. Because the video shows her back. Okay. So you see the camera, you see John coming. And John sort of like, tenses up a little bit because oh, obvi- for obvious reasons but then he like gets up and he gets on his knee and then oh, he does the it's thing. like a big swig of and, old fashioned and everybody's yeah. in the restaurant everybody in the restaurant's watching it and then oh, um, God. And she obviously is actually kind of savvy because she can't really say no in that situ- in that setting no she, she did really like the gesture out. of just putting her hand out and that was the yes <laughs> she said wow. yes later after she like Sounds awoke very, from her blackout very Wes Anderson I it imagine the ring off like, yeah very, yeah, and then uh, then I went up uh, further up north and married two friends of mine, and it was like we just got to enjoy all the love and that weekend. So much and love. A, Did you cry? No, no, I held it together, but I I didn't anticipate the couple to cry. Like, you know, you've got your little do you do you and all that, but then you got to be prepared for all sorts of emotions. I mean, weddings are emotional as it is, but you're like right next to the action. So, well, congratulations! Yes, thank you. Congrats. Thank it's you. Very cool. Do you guys have a date set? No, no. No, it's That's been the like next phase. A week. You he sound was like uh, my mother. Naya, he was. Uh, well, your mother should be asking about grandkids. Yeah. Oh That's how, how that works. Um, well, uh, Naya so, already said that she'd sing at my wedding. I'm going to hold her to it. Oh, nice. Okay. All I'll right. Do it, whatever you want. So today, uh, well, you're listening to Pot of Bing, a podcast that breaks down every episode of The Sopranos one at a time. We are talking about. Season two, episode five today, Big Girls Don't Cry. Every time I say that, I have Frankie Valley in my head. Air date was February 13th, 2000, written by Terrence Winter. This was his first episode as a writer for the show, just an FYI on that. Directed by Tim Van Patten. HBO synopsis, back in Jersey, Furio soon lives up to his name by unleashing his fury. They took the line away from us. I wanted to talk about that, but we'll circuitously do it. Uh, by unleashing his fury on the delinquent proprietor of a local tanning salon, in air quotes. Dr. Melfi shares her guilt over dumping Tony as a client during a session with her own therapist. Meanwhile, Tony learns from Hesh that his father had emotional secrets of his own. Very good synopsis, if I might say. Mm. One of Uh, the better ones. Yeah, yeah. It kind of just covers it all. It's like a big, double, double animal style. Title, Big Girls Don't Cry. Frankie Valli song, right? We just mentioned yes, that. so good. Um, is that your favorite Frankie Valli song, or do you have a favorite? It's one of them. I like the Dawn one, too. Go, yeah. go away, I'm well, no Did you guys you. know that uh, there's another episode with a Frankie Valli title? Uh, Walk Like a Man in season six. And Frankie Valli's in the cast later yeah. on. He's, in, he's, mm-hmm. he's one of the crew guys, Spoiler right? alert. Sorry. <laughs> um, 
Frankie Valli, Walk Like a Man, that song is from a movie. It's like a vintage movie that I grew up watching. I want to say Back to the Future. What movie is it from? It'll come. It's in so many Stand movies. By Me? Probably. I feel like it was in Stand it's, By Me. It's in a lot of things. Okay, let's jump into the quick topics. Oh, by the way, so Big Girls Don't Cry. Melfi cries in this episode. A lot uh, of people cry. A lot of people cry, but the big girl, mm-hmm. um, Melfi cried. We're going to talk about that a lot, this, this whole dynamic. Um, a couple of quick topics I want to get out of the way real quick. Uh, at the very beginning of the episode, Tony calls Charmaine Hun. Any opinions or thoughts on what he's doing there? I just think he's being obnoxious. He's just fucking. He knows she hates it. They just love to. I mean, even Polly does like the fangul symbol. Like he goes like this with his hand, which means like "fuck you." Yeah. To her, like literally to her back, and then calls her a witch. Artie says when she goes to him, Charmaine's upset at Tony, and she doesn't like whatever them being there. But he says you can't turn down a four top. That's a reference to something. It's it's a restaurant term, and it's like a four top is like it's like a high profit table, and Tony's gonna buy the bottles of wine. It's not that I'll have the main course and the water. Yeah. It's that I'll have the main course, I'll have the appetizer, I'll have the shrimp cocktail. He'll have the yeah. quail. I'll yeah. have to try new things. We'll have the quail. Yeah. Have, I kind of wondered, just watching that, if do you think they pay? Or, like, maybe the whole bill? Or Tony's got a tab. He's got a tab. He's got a tab. Yeah. And I think it starts he, to become a problem. I, sure. It starts to become a problem, which we're not giving anything yeah. away. But I feel like if Tony's making payments to Artie, he's probably doing it on, like, a monthly basis. I need a restaurant like that. I know. I'm just going to roll in, feed me quail, when and I'll I'm, pay you, like, 100 bucks a month. When I was younger and watching this show, I was thinking that, too. When I had, like, when I still had the Master of the Universe delusions of grandeur in my life, and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to conquer the world. I was like, I'm going to have a place where I can go in the city, and I can sit down, and they're just going to, like, take care of me. And then they're going to send me a bill. Um, okay, the next topic I want to knock out real quick is, it's more of a comment. So... Tony and uh, Melfi have not been in sessions the last several episodes. We've been, as viewers, especially, it's one of my favorite aspects of the show. I love their sessions. And we have not uh, had those for several episodes. I did think it was very clever at the time of this writing, at the time of filming this the series, the use of Melfi's therapy as a proxy or a substitute mm-hmm. for her sessions with Tony to kind of give us like our our taste of that experience. I just thought it was a brilliant way to placehold that aspect of the show that we were looking forward to. And they use it heavy in this episode. And it's kind of the bridge that brings the two of them back together. It's always an interesting dynamic. Like if you were cutting a hairdresser's hair or, you know, cleaning the teeth of a dentist, like it's a, it's gotta be a whole different experience to give therapy to a therapist. Yeah. Well, there's a comment in this episode, right? Where she goes, I think seeing him again will be very therapeutic for me. It's not supposed to be therapeutic for you. This is your therapy here. But he's like, no, this is your therapy. That was interesting. It was an interesting reveal. I'm not sure what to make of it. Maybe we can call. We're going to try and call Justin a little bit later. Yeah, we can try. Okay. Um, If we do that, we can ask him. Okay. Uh, The last quick thing I want to get out of the way. It it was kind of a throwaway, but I watched the episode so many times in anticipation of sitting down with you guys. Um, Irina feeding the ducks. I love that scene. Any thoughts on like Tony's reaction to her? Being a duck. Well, like, I thought, yeah, I thought it was interesting. She was calling them poor creatures. I mean, I know she was doing it just out of empathy, but yeah. it was interesting. She chose to say that, and I think it triggered something in Tony, regardless, even if it was that or not. But I just thought it was interesting. She felt bad and pity for them, and for some reason, Tony like identifies with these ducks. It was it was interesting. I, I liked that. He a was lot. very protective of yeah, the ducks for sure. Did you guys notice the name 
of Tony's yacht. No, I didn't. Uh, okay. I know it's the I know later ones, but so Stugatz is the name of the boat, mm-hmm. but the actual brand of the boat is Egg Harbor Sport Yachts. Interesting. Egg Harbor. Another reference to the egg. Amazing. Any thoughts or memes or future memes on why Irina is wearing arm floats? Because she can't swim. They didn't learn how to swim in Kazakhstan? She just seems like she would wear those silly things. I thought you were talking about her other floaties. <laughs> but it just felt, I just feel like there's a commentary there waiting to happen. Like, why did they choose to... Well, it's a significant scene because then it doesn't he go to Hesh after and he's he's going for all the wrong alternatives of therapy and he's looking to his mentor to give him some faith in that. But it all spawns from this duck thing, which I oh, think has to have some significance. Yeah, We're going to breadcrumb his road back to Melfi in a moment, but the, the mention of ducks was brilliant. Mm -hmm. That actually triggers... The thing that triggers it for me back at the very beginning of the episode when he smashes the phone, Mm -hmm. he's losing his shit. He's basically falling apart at the seams and this episode is sort of like a... is Again, there's a breadcrumbs of of path that he takes Mm -hmm. back to her. Um, Okay, so let's do... I want to talk like three main concepts today. We're going to do Christopher and Furio first, kind of that little section of the show and then the acting class section of the show one of the actors that was in the sequence of scenes is going to be we interviewed him and i'll be releasing his episode next week as well and then melfi and hesh is the last kind of thing and then there's this pussy and skip kind of caveat and then we'll do our final round so furio okay a couple of things first of all amazing okay (laughs) the way that tony decides to employ furio um the theme, John, you'll remember this from way back, even pre-Naya, is that there's this constant thing where Tony is always stepping in or putting someone else out there to fix something that Christopher can't. And this is like case in point number two for this season. But before we talk about Furio, Polly and Silvio get a bump. There's a lot of confusion a lot of people have messaged already. Even the book, Soprano Sessions, that is coming out January 2019. I'm plugging them even though they're not <laughs> sponsoring us yet. A great, great book. They also mentioned that there is no closure with this concept. Are they equals? Did Tony make Polly and Silvio equals at that moment? Or is it just implied that Silvio is the consigliere now? Any opinion well, on that? Consigliere is just a, a title for just a point of reference or advice and someone to hang his hat on. But but in The Godfather, Tom Hagen's the consigliere. He's not involved in the day-to-day hmm. collection of funds and cracking heads. He just sits at the side, like in Game of Thrones, imagine the throne, and then the little person on the right side, the hand of the king. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Can we all agree that at this particular juncture of the show, Tony's words are gospel, and that him and Polly, Silvio and Polly are, are equals? Yeah, and everybody, I so. Everybody reports up to them. Mm-hmm. And Tony is essentially firewalling himself from the feds and his foes, right? Yeah. And, and and Silvio and Polly too. They they're one step away from any direct crime now. In that conversation, I thought the only, something that was really weird to me was that shot from the statue yes. over ahead. Did you have anything on that? I was like, why are we seeing this? This is awkward and makes me uncomfortable. So it's Lou Costello mm-hmm. from the Abbott and Costello bit. You're a baseball fan. I'm not actually not very familiar but with who's that. Who's on bit. first? Stuff? Yeah. So Lou Costello is actually Italian. Okay. He's from Caserta. Amazing. Um, and his original surname was Cristillo, C R I S T I L L O. They're talking 
at a high angle mm-hmm. and it's Tony and Pauly. The only thing that I could think of is that David Chase and his creators are comparing them to Abbott and Costello. The back and forth, and Abbott and Costello are also well-known for malaprops, like saying things back and forth and just always kind of having like constant disarray. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really see that so much with Tony and Pauly throughout the show as much as I did with Pauly and Christopher. Pauly and Christopher are more of a Abbott and Costello shtick if, yeah. if you were to like me, have me pick. Mm-hmm. But I anyway, of, I thought of the when Sylvia referenced the quail taking a shit the other day because it was like the hat was covered in shit and yes. someone was like spying on them listening. Or it's like Corrado's favorite line, like waiting on patience like a monument. So I thought of all the patience things. on a monument. Yeah, nice. I like that. So for me, it's very obvious. You're looking at the top of, Ab- of Costello's head that's got bird shit on mm-hmm. it, and for me, it represents this whole notion of like he's getting a bump up, got it. but shit always flows downhill. Yeah. So Paulie's about to like be enduring shit storms Way more. after shit storms after got shit it. storms, and so. Is so's tony but some people disagreed on the internets but that is what the internets are for disagreement okay so uh we talked about tony further separating himself from puss also essentially this is kind of a way that it's implied because paulie makes mention about what about puss and we kind of are gonna see this scene we'll talk about it in a moment but furio gets a subjective bump even though tony didn't do it paulie kind of bumps a furio to the to the shock and dismay of uh, Pussy. Yeah, what do you think they talked about at that dinner when uh, Johnny Sack showed up and they moved Puss out? That's a... Some we'll never something. know. So here's another, here's another thing. This might be a reach, but I'm going to throw it out there. Was he bugged at that table? I mean, he's... I tend to wonder if he was wire. ever wired, though. So here, here let, me, let, me, let me tell you why. So he doesn't hug Johnny Sack. He, he doesn't, doesn't get, get up to hug. Yeah. He's like, I'm eating. And he refuses to get up, and he doesn't do the little gangster bro hug. That triggered all these little synapses in my brain. was like, he's wired, and he doesn't want Johnny to feel him. Hmm. Because he wants to deliver Johnny's sack to the feds before he delivers Tony. At least that was his intent at that moment in time. He could be. He didn't seem like he knew Johnny's sack was coming. But I don't know. He could be. Pussy, every time I watch it again, I always go back and forth now. Isn't the gangster bro hug, though, Naya, obligatory? You would think so. Because he's respectful. Respect. If you Even yeah. Tony, as much as he hated Mikey, he always got up and he hugged and he gave him a kiss on the cheek. Yeah, this, you know? this scene is very pussy being like a child. Like he's very. He was a little drunk, too. Yeah. He was drinking wine. He was kind of messing with Furio. Yeah. Furio. Furio. It's hard to watch. Yeah, it is hard to watch. A couple of observations before we get to questions. Uh, the Bahama Skies, this, the scene that where there's two critical scenes, and we're going to compare and contrast Christopher versus Furio. But I don't know if you guys caught this. At the very beginning, when they show the exterior of Bahama Skies, it's right next to a trophy store. I saw that, yeah. You saw that? All right. Because that... That is the... Well, we talked about trophies, huh? The yeah. Other day. The tr- trophies, there's something about trophies, like there's something about Mary. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to come again. I haven't watched far enough ahead to see if it comes back, but I just wanted to point out the trophies because we mentioned it in a previous episode. Uh, Naya, any comments or fashion, like runway critiques, be a Nina Garcia here or a Heidi Klum, if you will. In the whorehouse? On, no, on Furio's oh. welcome party shirt. Oh, yes, I have. As you know, in fashion, one day you're in and the next day you're out. I mean, is Let's it, go there. there's so much going on with this shirt. Is it, It's silk, there's gold, there's buttons, there's like every, I don't even know what material to start with. It's got to be silk. It's silk, but then there's like this whole metallic ornate, almost like a bib section, but then there's like a turtleneck thing. I don't know. And he's got white pants on, it's, and his hair's down. Does that it's, do it for you? Does he pass? Yes. Yeah. Is he okay? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. But oh, is there anybody else on the show that can get away with that shirt? No. no okay. Not that shirt. 
What did he say back to the massage parlor when Furio did his thing? We'll compare and contrast in a minute, but he said something in Italian. A procupa. Procupa means don't worry, don't worry. And then he and then said Putana, a bunch of other stuff. Putan is a whore. Did you guys Got that know a lot in high school. that uh, the director had the handheld camera? He was holding it for that That's scene. That's cool. Yeah, that scene reminded me of Taxi Driver. So mm. Do you remember the scene where De Niro at the very end, they film him from behind and he shoots up the whorehouse? There's so many parallels there. It's crazy. And it's, we were going to talk about this later, but fuck it. Let's just go there now. Christopher was filmed from the front coming in Mm -hmm. and he's super passive. He's kind of like lackadaisical, almost indifferent. He's on his way to an acting class, but Furio comes in on a mission. Okay. Knocks up the front of the house, knocks up the back of the house, shoots it up and goes in. Very interesting. uh, But also we're getting without dialogue, without setup where we understand and that's the beauty of the scene that's the beauty of it we understand where this is going and then the moment of clarity that tony has when they're at the furio welcome party and tony's uh, and furio's actually it's so ironic uh furio's entertaining little kids that carmella invited him to go and entertain and that's when tony has his moment of realization that this is the guy that's going to touch up the place yeah i wonder what triggered tony there to make that decision there's another reference later where uh, melfi calls him a little boy right and then it cuts to tony outside someone's been reading soprano's autopsy <laughs> oh they, they talk i actually i actually didn't oh you didn't they didn't read it this week uh, what does he say he talks a lot about it all i mean I, I touched a little bit the contrast yeah okay. he actually has the the shot of christopher walking in and the shot like the parallel did he mention that, did that he, you're talking did about. he mention taxi driver too no he didn't mention taxi driver okay but he commented on one of my memes. I saw that. I, like, I saw oh, that. Yeah. Well, your Sopranos ba- celebrity. Dude, I was thinking about the meme, the jacket. You got to you recycle that jacket on various people mm. through. Like, you got to give the midterm election winners the jacket. <laughs> you got to give. I don't know uh, if Richie can handle it. You got. I mean, Richie's got to get. Richie's got to do his rounds, especially before season two's over. Yeah. Okay. Get that jacket on as many people as you can. Too funny. So Furio's the better version of Chrissy. Is that what you guys are saying in a way? Yeah, like he's he's handling the things the way he thought Chrissy would. I I mean, to Chris's credit, he put a paintbrush up the guy's nose and smashed <laughs> his Formula One race car model. And yeah, um, it's busy. this is just the progression of, uh, and that's just a management technique I think from Tony. You're not getting the results that you, you needed, and let's try somebody else on staff to motivate this person to pay us and. Um, it's important that you see Christopher not get this done because you understand yeah. why he's coming in guns a blazing and um, it, it's sending a message. But it by far is up there with one of the greatest like gangster moments totally. of this show. We're gonna do favorite scenes and stuff at, at the end, yeah. and we'll get we'll get into that. The uh, the thing with me and Furio, especially What's with Tony, the thing with you and Furio, is that <laughs> I think he's a new toy for Tony. Tony just got a brand new toy and, and he's test driving it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what this was. Yeah. And Christopher, like we know from a few episodes back, everybody's either can't take orders, they're all smashed up on drugs, or they're compromised with the feds. And in his mind, early on, now that we know that we know how the show ends, but the seeds of his, the seeds of their path are set mm-hmm. kind of now. Like, Tony realizes that pilot episode, this is the future of the family. But I would say that by the time season two has started, he's questioning that decision. Yeah. And that's why I even mentioned to you guys earlier, I was like, do you think Meadow would have had a shot after Commendatore 
Like, do you think that he's thinking on the plane ride home, could I groom Meadow to be the boss? So that's, that's my thing on Furio. And obviously I love Furio, but at this particular juncture, that's what I saw this as. You think Tony was considering putting Meadow and the family in that position? No, not, not yet, but the thought crossed his mm. mind. You think about, look, I think about when, when you're a basketball coach, you think about a lot of lineups you're going to put out on the court. You might not actually put them on the court, but you contemplate, could LeBron James play center? It's the same idea. Like, I, I mean, I would, as a parent, I, you know, if, I, if I'm going to bring up my kid in the family business, if my oldest is, a, is an idiot, uh, or my youngest, or, my, or whoever's the my heir is an, is an idiot, I'm going to be thinking, like, you know, well, what are my options, you know? And after, after seeing Anastasia? No, what's her name? We're going to get in trouble for this. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to bleep it out. Fuck the haters. <laughs> Isn't it Annalisa? Annalisa. Is it that? Annalisa. Yeah, Annalisa. Can't be that. that sounds it's Annalisa. Uh, it's Annalisa. Something like that. Okay. Let's jump into the acting class. Quick reference. Chris refers to himself as Chris Machiavelli. Was that him, his way of referencing Machiavelli, but he, was, he didn't know the reference? I don't know, but it came out really quickly, so I feel like he must have used this alias before. He didn't okay. even have a second to have Why to have an alias for an acting class? I didn't get that. I think just hide his identity a little. Mm. He also wasn't right? wearing socks. So I don't know. I love that. I liked his shoes. Yeah. Ferragamos for sure. Wingtips. Loafers without socks. I totally missed that. You knew that I wouldn't. Not, there was not, not good an- enough if he broke his foot. Chris. Chris. He freaks out when Adriana laughs when they're practicing together. He starts flipping the channels and then the Jeffersons comes up. But I thought it was always a little more apropos to be like Christopher's trying to move on out. Mm. I like how he had his cocaine all nicely set yeah. up for the evening. Yeah, a little too perfectly, right? Like, like he's done that before. I feel a like. true addict. Yeah, like you would come home. Most people come home, they put their keys on the hook, they put their bag down, they open up the fridge. No, he just lines up his. <laughs> I know. I thought that um, scene was really interesting because the once they walked in, the coach said an actor is an instrument for conveying ideas, which mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting. And then later he says he didn't even choose the class. So and then there's this whole, you know, reference to the Tennessee Williams episode earlier mm-hmm. where that's who he kind of compares himself to. But he got assigned. There's like a flip, right? They, he gets assigned the gentleman caller, right? And then he switches it. So, and that, to me, was always, like, he's not the chosen one. He can't figure out how to, like, where's his arc, where's his path. And that's also, like, in regards to the parallel of Furio here now, kind of taking on all his responsibilities. Because he ends up not being able to do the first scene that he was first assigned, which was the Tennessee Williams one. I forget. Uh, I get confused. Glass Menagerie. Yeah, but then he switches but, it. Te- but Tennessee Williams wrote the Glass Menagerie. Yeah. So there's another Tennessee Williams reference. Um, did you guys read that in high school? Do you remember no, that? Oh, God, no. Do we think Chrissy's a good actor? Yeah, do you think... Let me add some meat to the question. Do you think the episode teaches us that Chris is a better actor than a gangster? I think it teaches us that Chrissy and can't handle his emotions. Or this was like an outlet for him, yeah. in a way. And it was funny because we see Tony not being able to control his his emotions and figure out what to do with them and place them. And Chrissy has this, like, in some way, a little breakthrough, in my opinion, of, like, letting it out, like, letting go and really committing to something. It happens to be a scene. But I thought this was, like, a tiny win for Chrissy, even though he felt humiliated and miserable and weird about it and uncomfortable. Is this his therapy? Yes. This is his therapy, right? This is his melty session? In my opinion, yes. Agreed. Agreed, John? Yeah, yeah. I didn't love his 
fellow actors in the class. No, They I fell mean, a little short to me. They fell a little short, but it was all just to set the stage for him. Mm-hmm. It was the setup for him. Michael Imperioli actually owns, I don't know if he still does, a theater in New York. He, he owned, loves plays. He owned restaurants, too, like mm-hmm. the, at the same time. I forget the name of the theater. Have you ever been to the theater? No, because I've followed him for blocks on end with his kids and was like, I should stop doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Admission. <laughs> yes. Uh, I told you about me seeing James Gandolfini in a restaurant, right, and me just completely losing my shit. I couldn't even imagine. I saw him at a Dodger game when I was younger. 2006. No, um, I haven't heard that one. Oh, man. I know. In the Lower East Side, he rolled, rolled in and... Uh, Dre DiMatteo was there, and I was with a group of people, and I just caught yeah. in mouth. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I was just caught in mouth, and my girlfriend, now wife, was like, get a fucking grip. I was like, no, like, you don't understand. <laughs> it was like, but it was like literally like uh, the same feeling that I had when Rick Rubin walked into a room that I was in, and I was just like, whoa. Yeah. Two experiences that I've had that in my life. Aww. Yeah. Okay, so why do you think Chris freaked out when performing? Was it his dad? Is it Tony? What do you think prompted him to cry? Even one of the actors asked him, how did you do that? Who was he crying for? Or what was he crying for? And you're just honestly just like off the cuff opinion. I think it's a combination of everything, personally. This is, what's he sad about? I think he's just overwhelmed, honestly, like with frustration about the script, his father, like all, like everything. He has never had a chance to really let go of it. I mean, he, Adriana gets glimpses of it. You see her trying to help him with stuff and... Tony hears a little bit of it, but more from work because he doesn't know about the screenplay stuff. And I don't know. I, I'm sure the dad has a little bit of a trigger, but I just think it's a combination of everything. And he just got, woo, just let go. Yeah, I mean, these guys have pretty stressful lives. And acting can bring out a lot of emotions. And it's I don't think he liked emotions. it. Yeah. When he punched Mitch, was he punching Mitch or was he punching his dad? Yeah, I mean, they, they make a point to allude to that, that he's confessed in confidence to his girlfriend about it, but it's possible. Is he punching Tony? I think he's trying to make up for crying in the last uh, the last scene. The machismo. I think, yeah, I think he doesn't he want to be a, come down. a big girl that cries either. Yeah. That was the low-hanging fruit for me. It was like, yeah, he's trying to like reassert his masculinity, but something deeper is going on. Yeah. On purpose, because we're going to, the very end of this I know, episode I, I don't is, get the end. It's just super fucking deep. Yeah. All of it is very deep with Christopher, and there's a bunch of hidden meaning stuff. You know, Naya, you told me something about Lorraine Bracco. You said something to me about her, and then I started reading interviews about her on, online, going down the rabbit holes. And she mentioned something in this episode where she wanted to, like, understand something that, that was in the script. Mm-hmm. And she went to David Chase and asked him, like, I want to understand, like, wh- Why? what? And he's like, there's no reason. There's no meaning. And she oh, was I like, saw that. You saw I that too? You're talking about, yeah. And, and she was like, but wait a minute. But like, you wrote it. And he's like, there's no reason. That was a huge giveaway. That's, there's some shit that's just not meant to be there. But it's also the genius of it. It's like, look, I'm letting, the, I'm letting the viewer figure it the fuck out. I had a moment when I was watching this at that same fact and kind of getting angry at it. And I, I've come back circle, but it's kind of an easy out to because say you, like, I'm going to write about anything. And then it may yeah. or may not be thought out anything. or finished or come to fruition but it is a freeing experience but it makes you angry like when you start thinking about all the things that we don't have resolved but that's the whole point but that's that's the whole point yeah, yeah i know a lot of screenwriters and they they defend this to the death it's like i'll read a script and i'll, I'll be like but what about this and they'll say but why yeah like you i i respect you you're smart you figure it out yeah i don't have to life doesn't give you everything wrapped up in a bow but even during the filming of this, he was basically like, no, I just figure it out. Like, you do you, Lorraine. There was a quote from the AV Club 
It said, The Sopranos suggest that the real story comes when you think no one is watching. So, and that, that like, yeah. really like, hit me hard when I was reading some of their uh, opinions of this episode. So good. Okay, Melfi and Hesh. The reason I throw Hesh into this in, in parentheses is because Hesh was essentially Tony's de facto Melfi for much of this episode. And how fun was the dynamic of Tony trying to like shapeshift Hesh into Dr. Melfi and just failing? I had this fucking weird dream the other night. You know, when I had the polyps, they put me through that fucking MRI. I'm telling you, I think they used my ass to invent some new tests. I was at the beach. But I had a suit on. And a shoes, too. Shove a camera up your ass the size of a garden hose. You want to hear this fucking dream or not? All right. Yeah. I love that, like, the intro to that, too, was just, like, a, a girl in lingerie. Yeah, like, nice work, Ash. Yeah. Like, Any thoughts on his uh, preference? Go, on his type? I mean... Go get it. I don't know. Robert De Niro shares the same. I think it goes back to his music days. For when sure. He, he was working with the recording, the singers, the, Probably. the backup singers and stuff. Yeah. Um, Tony compares himself to Carlo Gambino, Lucky Luciano, and Douglas MacArthur. I just thought it was a very fun leap <laughs> you know, to go Definitely. from this to that, and the choice is, was interesting. I tried to find a thread between the three of them, and I was unsuccessful. Strong it, silent types. It's okay. There you go. I spent like 40 <laughs> minutes, and you just came up with it off the top of your head. It shows your level of ingenuity there. Um, Another line that I liked, we're talking about Dr. Melfi when she's sitting with Elliot, and Elliot uses this metaphor of roller coasters. Why do we love roller coasters, Jennifer? Scary movies? To experience the thrill of being terrified without the consequences. That's very good, Elliot. Great film, but uh, some terrifying moments. That's very perceptive. I'm concerned that treating a mobster provides you some... Vicarious thrill. I've always liked that since the very beginning. And why do we like roller coasters? And it's the thrill of being terrified without the consequences. She That's gave very him, good. She gave him a hard time for that, but it's really good, right? He's a good therapist. Yeah, this is like a plus one for Elliot. Elliot hit a big clutch free throw here yeah. to get back in the game. That is two clutch free throws right there from a veteran. If we ever do a live show, we, we need to do, do a game of horse. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, for sure. we could do that. The live show is happening. We're going to make that happen for sure. I thought it was interesting Melfi says Tony would be Oz. Yeah. Mm. I disagree. Really? She's Oz. We talked about this. She's Oz. She's the end of Tony's yellow brick road. But Oz is like a bummer. I'm a fake. He's a fugazi. That's why I thought it was interesting she thought he would be Oz because she says all-encompassing big, but really when you pull the curtain back, he's like a little kid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hmm. So did she, is that true? Do we agree? It is strange that they reference that for a second time. Yeah. They love The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. There's but something it's, there. It's, it's like, who is Melfi? Is she the... I think... I think she's us. Like the viewer. Like we get the perspective from her... And, and Tony's world is this yeah. Oz world. And that's why, like, when he makes the comment about roller coasters and then, like, the thrill of being around Tony, I, th I think that's a tribute to, like, why we love the show so much. Mm -hmm. Like, we get to experience all this without the consequences. Whoa, he just went next level yeah. deep on a fucking Boom. Saturday. I like it. I'll b totally subscribe to that. Me too. Because she's watching him through a vintage television box, and Tony's world is unfolding in front of our eyes. And she's gaining weight. What, Elliot, with the eyebrows already? The Wizard of Oz, what memories does it conjure up? 
my parents' house, watching it on TV, hiding under the blanket with my sister. I'm gaining weight. Yeah, what's up with that? Why did she go there? I think, I mean, it's a, I think she like got uncomfortable in her suit and then she just uses it as, as like, a, yes, I'm getting weight. Don't fucking say anything. But I also think it's a parallel to the whole lack of control. It's like the, which to me, this episode, there's a lot of like people can't control things, their emotions. And it's like she can't control her overeating or drinking. Is it safe to say that she's stressed. also comfortable being a little girl in front of Elliot a little bit? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, she's pouring out her emotions. This is the place to do it. And on top of that, she's not feeling good about herself right now. Do you think Elliot has sexual feelings for Dr. Melfi? Ooh. Ugh. I hope not. Probably. I feel like the water bottle... Ugh, don't even. <laughs> no, I'm going there. <laughs> okay. I'm going there. The water bottle is a phallic symbol for their therapy session. It is. He uses it while she's talking, and he asked her the question in almost a very candlelit steak filet mignon dinner with red wine kind of way it was not a clinical ask and justin would check me on this or you know if we've watched enough therapy shows like in treatment the hbo show with gabriel byrne one of my favorite did not last as long as it should have because you were the only one watching it, was it. so sad <laughs> <laughs> was was <laughs> well you want you want to know why i was watching it right it was my catharsis for sopranos yeah. mm. it was my relief pitcher for the show <laughs> but he would not have asked the question that way you yeah. would have asked it a little bit more structured. Elliot kind of went there. Well, I think maybe it's it maybe out. it's something that Justin could speak on where she probably feels insecure about her weight. So he's also maybe trying to ask questions in a way where she feels better about herself too. Mm. Like well, he, he goes pretty hard with her and like alludes to stuff and wants her to come up with the answer and then he stops. And like I, I feel like he pushes back and he goes, okay, well, just... Yeah. So watch your, the, watch yeah. your sugar intake. Like <laughs> That's the easy answer, but I'm not going to like destroy you right now. True. I love how he asks Melfi when they actually do get back together. Find out a little medical history. My old man had the same thing. Panic attacks. Followed by passing out. Cracked his head open on a cigarette machine. Interesting. Interesting. That's it. You're not going to send me for fucking tests or something? Did you read the article in the Times? He used the line that he got from Hesh. Totally. Um, and this is the reverse mm. of Tony taking his therapist's lines and using them, which I thought was, a lot of times we, we get symmetry in the show, and the symmetry gives me like a really great sense of satisfaction, and that was just one of them. Um, there's a painting behind Elliot, and it's not really so much a question as I just wanted to obviously mention it to you guys. It's an abstract painting, and to me, Elliot, very much speaks he's all about speaking in abstractions mm. so it was a good choice of painting but i also get a very la in the 80s kind of vibe from his office hmm. are, are either of you guys i haven't feeling even that? looked in his office i can't get past the water bottle, water bottle. <laughs> but i will now because it's I'm... very 80s la yeah okay. like like melrose place remember that tv show Mel- yeah, it's boy. very melrose placey anyway but again this was tv in the 90s so that could have been part of it so we think Elliot's a better therapist than Hesh. Yeah. Hesh thought he was shooting the shit with his bro. Although at the beginning, when he does see I need to talk to you in confidence and he seeks him out, uh, Hesh was actually paying attention. If you notice, the devolvement is that Hesh starts out like really looking at Tony and yeah. giving him a minute, thinking that something really serious is going on. But then as soon as Hesh gets into it, he just starts talking and complaining about back in the day. Yeah. Hesh needs a therapist. Yes. Um, He's spilled a really big 
secret though, yeah, about his well, father, which I there. thought was interesting. And then I started wondering if anxiety is hereditary. And there are some cases that say it is, and then there's some that say it isn't. It's more like what happens in your day-to-day environment. So Environmental plays a role, and my wife works in genetics, and I actually asked her about this too. And there are some truths yeah. to like, you will take the form of your parent, but it's not necessarily always guaranteed. And if the environment's completely different, then you can actually like, purge it. Yeah. But if you come from the same environment, which totally does, and you have the same stress and pressures, um, chip off the old block. I I can't stop uh, fantasizing about what the many saints of New York is going to be like, and I imagine that there's got to be a scene where Tony's dad passes out, and maybe he has a therapist. Oh, that would be crazy. I don't even think they existed back then. I don't think so. In in, in the way, it would be more of like a clinical setting where they're like putting needles in his head and stuff kind of thing. Mm. Um, but how crazy would that be? Well, how crazy would it be if we get to see Dr. Melfi as a little girl? Or and, and they cross paths. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, okay. Melfi says to, to Elliot in a very sort of like innocent and like defeated way, she says that she, um, the co- word that she used was abandoned. She says that she abandoned Tony. Did she? Yeah. Yeah. You think so? He came to her for help. And she said, get the fuck out of here. She abandoned him, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But now she's, you know, does she get some thrill treating Tony? Like, he's also... There is a vicarious thrill. Yeah, there's like some weird... Yeah. And she doesn't have sexual feelings for him, so we ask the question... I I think so. I think so, too. You know what it is? What is it? And maybe you can speak to this. It's the... The bad boy image is, is attractive since time immemorial because they have this we can conquer everything mentality. Is there any truth in that? Yeah. A fearlessness? Yeah. Yes. And does that still hold water in this yeah, era? I hate it, but it does. It does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they're nice usually... still finish last. I know. Yeah. And only the good die young, like uh, Billy Joel says, right? <laughs> totally. Um, okay, this is a deep question. I, I sat with it for a long time. I don't really have a great answer, but I want to I put it out there, and I want to talk about it, and I want to get feedback on it. Very powerful line, very powerful moment between Melfi and Tony where uh, he tells her when they come back together, he's like, do you know where I was? I was at the brothel and my guy was in there beating the shit out of somebody. He put a hole in someone's kneecap and Tony said, I kind of wish I was there. Um, And Melfi says, I'm going to ask her a question to you guys. Do you wish you were giving the beating or receiving it? And what do you guys think? Like, what do you think Tony's preference would have been at that moment? It's so beautiful because we don't get a chance to hear his answer, but the camera lingers for more than a moment. It's more than a beat. It's like, and almost letting us kind of come way in and then it fades out to the next, to the final sequence. Yeah, it's a really deep question. I mean, if he's like a masochist and would take pleasure in, in receiving that pain or if part of his depression causes him to be numb to everything and that if he was to experience the beating that he would feel again and all those deep reasons that someone might want that to happen to them but I I think in that probably time he was just sad that he couldn't partake in the fun because of his position uh, what's his quote I I can't take pleasure in the things that I used to used to yeah yeah. I agree I think it also is a nod to that Chrissy let out some feelings too and we saw that so it'd be I would think that he would, why she would even say that or ask that is because he wants to feel something. 
So that's why he would want to get beat up or be, even be like, I, I was shocked when she asked that, like back in therapy. So she must know that he, he feels numb all the time still. And that right. would be a way to feel pain and feel something. And feel something. Yeah. Because he said it and he admitted to her, I don't feel anything. I feel like a mm-hmm. zombie or whatever. The YouTube. Yeah, I forgot that's about great. that. Good yeah, answer. Does, yeah. Great answer, Naya. Um, was, I'm, I'm going to get... Backing him up. Good job, team. <laughs> I'm going to get biblical on you guys. And it's... The receiving of it was representative of the idea of the stigmata. Kind of like repenting for your sins and maybe getting the shit knocked out of him once in a while will kind of be a purging of the life that he chose. And I'm just, I'm just placing it on the table. Um... Pussy and Skip. Next topic. We kind of talked about the whole setup of the table at uh, Novo Vesuvio's. I'm sick of them. <laughs> like, just do something. Vesuvio? No. Uh, oh, Skip. Yes. Pussy and Skip. Yeah. Like, just make a move then. Like Furio is in an apron, and he gets to stay at the table with Johnny Sack. I promised we'd come back to this. But Pussy doesn't. Um, what's going on? It's like a power play for four seasons later when... Polly and Johnny start doing things together. I don't mm. know. I mean, it's difficult to know what they may be talking about, but I think it was just a power move. It was a time where Polly could flex. Polly's flexing. Yeah, I wanted to get your meme out there. <laughs> You're flexing. <laughs> um, do you have any reactions to why or any opinions on why Pussy got asked to leave in that setup? Well, the, because didn't you know they said why Furio got to stay? That's kind of what I, I'm getting. Oh, at. then I think it was just to rub it in Pussy's face. Really. A little. I don't know, which is weird, because then if they were nervous about pussy, I wouldn't want to piss them off. Well, Polly, remember the Nobody Knows Anything episode? Yeah. When Polly comes in and Tony roughs him up and is like, swear on your mother, swear oh, yeah. on your life, whatever, don't fucking lie to me. polly has been on the outs with pussy since the schwitz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this could be that. This could not even be like a like a Tony Power thing. It could just be like, get the fuck out of my face. I just got new stripes. Yeah, and let me I'm gonna, do my job. I'm going to flex. Awkward, man. <laughs> Awkward. First of all, Johnny Sack's face when pussy walks away is a thing of beauty. No words, but brilliant acting. I thought if you're the boss of New York, he's the head guy of that family, and you don't hug him? That's what I'm saying. Like, that's super that's bad. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I feel like it's a, it's a logical reach to suggest that he's wired and he doesn't want to be felt up by a New York guy. I think Pussy's just really insecure, you know, and even when he talks to Skip later, like, he's still not doing anything. Like, he's just stuck now, and yeah. now he's, like, just a little bitch, and he can't, he, and so the only thing he can do is kind of, like, disregard a hug. But maybe he is wired, I don't know. The diner scene with Skip, is Skip, like, legitimately commiserating with him when he talks about the Samoan, or is he actually trying to lure him in more? I think they're both commiserating. They're both bros. hmm Yeah, I could see your point if he was trying to solidify the reasons why Pussy's flipped and... You know, Tony doesn't care about you. I care about you. We're going to get you through this sort of thing. That's true. Most rewatchable scene for you guys? Richie April and his boxers making eggs. <laughs> oh, the Furio beating. I could watch that all day. Yeah, Furio, I had Furio in action. Yeah. Any time of day, if it's on, I'll watch it. I guess that's true. The zero fucks given mentality. Yeah. Fearless. And then the blood splatter on his face. The camera could have made it like a very like Quentin Tarantino kind of like nod to go like, that or something yeah. brush it off but he had like blood like literally within his line of sight and he did not give a fuck amazing uh favorite scene in the episode would be richie cooking eggs i don't know why it's just hilarious to it me. Is, it's one of my favorites it is such a powerful scene <laughs> tell me if these are hot takes or not i'm gonna go there with the hot takes on this it's the best scene in the episode by far is it the best scene in the show so far it's one of my favorites richie with the fork are you with me John? yeah i mean it's uh 
It's a community. Anyone that's going to stand up to Tony, and there are very few people that we'll ever see do that, it, it's shocking because they set him up as a character that you don't mess with. And for Richie to do it with almost frequently. Yeah. yeah, In his boxers. In his mother's house. After yeah. he fucked his sister. Yeah. Did you have another favorite scene, John? No, this episode is up there with one of my favorites, though. Me yeah. too. I have another hot take for you on Richie, guys. Let's go. Okay. Is part of the reason why T so is so mad at Richie is because he reminds him of Johnny Boy. He reminds him of his dad. And the relationship with Janice is kind of repulsive in that manner. It's like a paternalistic kind of relationship. Is that part of the furor here? I mean, do you have a sister? No. Do you have a sister? I do. If you walked in on that, wouldn't you just be, obnot- like, just not happy? Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. Is Tony protective of his sister in a way that brothers are protective of their sisters even though they have their thing? I think so. No matter what. I think, like, if anyone's going to insult her, it's going to be him. And, like, or, you know, I, he, I don't know. There's some weird protection. Well, he passed her off. He said, she's yeah. your problem yeah. now. <laughs> Least favorite scene? I didn't need to see the other actors' scenes all the way through. The, uh, the phone smashing scene? Uh, great acting. Yeah. Obviously, great improv with throwing the stuff. Uh, just for me, it... Felt a little forced. Over the top. And then uh, and some of the forums mentioned, there's like a ubiquitous shot of AJ. Mm, and yeah, holding you're the plate. Like, why, why do we need to look at him? Or is he just reacting to the fight? And there's been like, there's chatter of like, was there a deleted scene where there was something else of him like hearing the fight? Mm. Or it was just interesting. And like the um, the only thing I didn't feel resolved is like Carmela and Tony have this gloom and tone about them the entire episode to each other and I guess we're just to assume that they're just still not good but there's like this unspoken like at the Furio party you yeah. know this Carmela is just like ooh. Did you notice anything unique about Carmela and Furio in this particular episode or was it completely benign? I looked for it but. In a microcosm did you notice anything curious about them? I didn't. The camera doesn't like linger at no, like her looking no. at him or anything yeah. so there's no um, you had a really good point about this AJ thing. I think the reason that AJ existed in kind of like silence and was staring is because he's witnessing his dad. Mm-hmm. And I, I can relate to that as, as a son and as a father, like they're very impressionable and everything that you're, 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 you're seeing your dad lose his shit. It's going to stick with you. So I think the point that was being made again, this is one point of view is that they're basically showing AJ cause he's still a kid and he still has a chance to kind of like not be a part of this world, but it, he keeps, and then it, Carmela says, go and change yeah. very calmly, like as if everything was very normal in that household. But it was, to me, it was actually meaningful. You're I, right. And then he does go apologize and yeah. has the little dad talk. Great moment with his yeah. son. I love that moment with AJ Jr. when Tony tries to make amends. Yeah. Forgot to tell you, I got a job at Radio Shack. Product testing. Giving that phone enough for durability. Again, you hate Tony, even if you're like a if you're like a super feminist or like whatever. If you if you want to find fault with Tony Soprano, the brilliance of the of the show and of the character is that in that moment he makes you love him again. He like yeah. brings you right back around. Strong, silent type. I can relate to the mom yelling at me, even though I didn't do anything bad. She's like, what did I say? Go get dressed. <laughs> I'm like, but dad just threw some something. Casting what if the Greek that Polly gets devil's tickets from. Can anybody creatively come up with who that actor would be? What scene was that? There's a line where Paulie's talking about the devil's tickets. You know, we should edit devil's games tonight. Still get tickets from the Greek? Right on the fucking ice. I'll bring my sweater. 
I'll throw it out there um, if you can come up with a good actor for that role because I wanted to see a scene with the Greek because of the wire. The next one that I had is the biggest nitpick. And the nitpick that I had is Charmaine's knife technique. The way she was cutting while she was talking to Furio, yeah. it was not chef. It was not uh, sous chef. It was not anything to be proud of. Uh, favorite quotes of the show, you guys? I have a couple. The line, going back to the Richie Tony scene, um, when he says, we got history, Tony, he says, yeah. Israel and fucking Palestine. People change. It was a way a long time. I've done a lot about it. The next one that I had that was a runner-up, Christopher says... I had some problems with my screenplay, so I bought that book, uh, How to Write a Movie in 21 Days. That was like a year ago. <laughs> uh, it's actually a real book written by the author Vicky King in 1993, um, and it has a decent number of Amazon reviews to this day. Shout out, Vicky. Shout out, Vicky. Um, but there is a book called Save the Cat, which I have actually I've read. I've read that one, You too. read it, too? It's good, yeah. yeah, Blake Snyder. They have a whole, like, empire now that's crazy like video audio podcasts which is actually doing a lot better than a sale from a sales standpoint but if people that buy her book also buy save the cat i like the line got a problem besides those fucking pants oh, when he goes to yeah. the other russian boat Oof. yeah and he grabs i'm gonna use that yeah. somewhere that's a great that's a great uh, scene too i like the uh why don't you put your fucking pants on there's a lot of <laughs> pants in this episode Polly uh talks about furio and, and why he's coming over he's like what uh See what indoor, See plumbing, what indoor looks plumbing looks like? Looks like. Yeah, yeah he a saw a sunny brochure for New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, that was a great one, too. Um, another runner-up I had is, Tony says to Richie, Ten years, you thought about Janice? There are men in the camp better looking at my sister. Each his own, Tony. Each his own. Backwards to many saints of Newark, do you think we get to see him getting blowjobs on Under the boardwalk? Olivia's couch? A young, we're going to definitely see a young Richie, and I think you came up with the best. Adam Driver, yeah. For Furio. He was going to play Furio. Furio. Who's going to play Richie? We never did Richie. Let's work on it. Think on it for next time. Did we do Richie? I think we talked about it. We did talk about it. Yeah, because I said the guy that uh, was in It. For Richie? I don't remember now. They're going blending together. And then the last question that I have is, are there any Netflix spinoffs off the, based off this episode? Um, that was a good question. Yeah. So all, Richie so, in the Kitchen? Richie in the Kitchen, yeah. Richie in the Kitchen. <laughs> a cooking show yeah. with Richie in the Kitchen. <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. I might steal that and turn it into a meme. <laughs> oh, right? my Do God. It. Richie in the Kitchen with, like, one of those uh, Headley and He's Bennett, just, like, like the most aprons. unlikable person in the kitchen. That's why it'd be funny. Oh, wow. Okay. Making eggs. Um, I have some last call stuff. We're okay on schedule, right? Yeah. Fine, okay. I could be a little late. There was juice on the counter, John. Don't let me down on this. <laughs> uh, there, I couldn't make out the pulp. Were you able to zoom in and oh, find I looked the pul- for it, too. It was uh, Florida's Best or something. Yeah, it Florida's wasn't Minimade. Um, Touch It by Monifa was yeah. the Bahama. That was the song that was playing. Is there any sort of like meaning behind the use I of the I just assumed that they're hookers, so. Okay. They... Is it weird that to use a tanning salon as a cover for a brothel? Not at all. I don't think so. Super It makes sense to me. Hmm. There's a super shady, like, Thai massage in my neighborhood. I know which one you're you talking, talking about. about right yeah. next to Pinkberry. I had to intervene once there. See? Yeah. I'm a line. Intervene? What yeah. is that? Do Please tell. Go. Do tell. Tell there us There was a guy who, like, it's like a, the place is actually really great. They're, they give really good Thai massages, but it's a little makeshifty. So the ceilings don't go all the way up, so the rooms are all kind of, like, semi-homemade built, so you can hear other rooms. And this man had brought wine and cheese and was trying to, like, convince this woman to have wine and cheese with him. And he wasn't getting aggressive, but she was definitely declining in, like, a very passive way. And I was in the other room trying to enjoy my massage. Oh, so you've been a customer. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, should, like, 
you know, because we could literally hear their whole conversation. He just kept egging her on, egging her on. And, and I finally was like to my lady, like, should we go? Like, should we go intervene here? Like, she's obviously needs some help. She's like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. But I obviously like maybe 20 minutes of hearing this was like, this is my big moment to like have a Me Too stand up for this girl. Look at you, little good and I walked in and was like, she said no. <laughs> and, but he was just he wasn't. It was weird. It was weird. But yes, it reminded me of interesting yeah. yeah i always see it and i always wonder my son always asks me about that place and i'm just like mm, yeah just go to i wouldn't Penn. recommend it yeah <laughs> it's uh, a tanning salon so. yeah well they have all these signs it like very much it's very like it's, the, it the lights are very like patterson new jersey yeah it could be it's frustrating because you wonder if because they don't want it but it seems like they do it too like i can't decide if they're guilty or not. I feel like the, you know? the, the atmosphere is suggestive. Exactly. If they, didn't want, for this? No. if they didn't want the atmosphere to be suggestive, they would have, they should have changed it. it Agreed. Did it, either of you have any last call items? I. Why does Christy throw a script out? The I, ending is very, very deep for me. I'll, what, what do you got on it, John? Uh, it's a little deep. It's the, the, the whole thing of bringing out this emotion and... You know, he went there and he got to experience the purity of acting and he didn't like how it felt. He didn't like what it caused him to do. And it was like his turning back from this childhood fantasy and time to go be a gangster. Yeah, I. Wow. he wanted acting. <clears throat> For me, it's this. He wanted acting. It was something that you always want what you can't have kind of thing. And he's in this life of his. He's chosen this life and he can't really do much about it. But there's like this light at this end of this proverbial tunnel that he sees and when he got validated by his fellow actors that was his breaking point he was like wow i actually there is a vehicle for me to leave this life and leave this world i could even i could be a stage actor i could do whatever and he had this realization that he was actually good enough at something else to get out of it but there's no way out once you're in you're in but the caveat to that is that he's not a made guy yet true and once you're made, it's like there's a blood oath, right? He hasn't taken the blood oath yet, but I think he acted out of fear by burning his past life and basically simultaneously deconstructing and reconstructing right before our very eyes. The music is haunting and beautiful when the trumpet kicks in. It's a trumpet, right? Not a saxophone. It might be an alto sax. I can't tell. Okay, it has very, like... Baritone notes. Then it's probably a trumpet. And very like just rigid yeah. sounds. But it's basically him saying, look, I can do this. I can play in the NBA, but I can't leave. Like I have to be here. I got to take care of my sick family. I can't go out and pursue this, chase this dream of mine. And that to me, there's no words. It's just him kind of like walking. Yeah, it was so noir to me. Like very old noir. mob noir movie. Very noir. Like the light. And again, it's all about Christopher. It's season one. I love him had this like overtones of Christopher and now this is the season two overtone of Christopher and I very much relate to like all of his like his emo not the part where he beats up his girlfriend but the part where he's like struggling through like who am I and what am I doing here um so many arcs for him did in you this get that? episode did you get that reference yeah okay um we're not gonna mention it now but like that's that's what this whole, whole fucking show's about you guys is who am I who are we and what are we doing here we're all just watching the fucking Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. We will see you next week. It's been real. Thank you, Naya. Thank you. Thank you, John. And scene. Just say scene. Scene. <laughs>